episode 275, bonus edition, interview with Juliana Morlock. Hey y'all, welcome to the Empowering Educators podcast. I am Gretchen, your host and expert lesson learner. I'm a national board certified elementary teacher turned teacher, trainer, and coach. All the lessons I've learned and am learning on my edgy journey, I share with you right here. From every silly mistake to the most glorious successes, you're going to hear stories and strategies that will inspire you to become your best. I have to warn you, as an educator, I can't help but hold you accountable for doing the work. So every episode, I leave you with practical, tangible next steps so you can implement your learning and maximize your impact. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson if you're willing to pay close attention. Elite educators, that's the secret to staying empowered. Bring on today's lesson. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson here to empower you to reach your potential. And you know it, I refer to you as someone who's elite because you are going above and beyond the call of duty to continue to grow your craft and That to me is the epitome of an elite educator. And today I want to introduce you to another elite educator. It's important we grow our PLN, learn from each other. And our guest Juliana today is going to share her story of teaching and leadership. And I think her message is really going to resonate with you and encourage you to continue your own journey. But before I let you hear our conversation together, let me share a little bit more about her with you. So Juliana Morlock is an elementary instructional coach in Marietta, Georgia, and prior to that role, she taught kindergarten through third grade at schools across the metro Atlanta area. She started teaching in 2011 as part of Teach for America Metro Atlanta, and she worked as a coach for TFA during the Summer Institute. Juliana also took a break from education. She worked in ed tech for two years. She earned her bachelor's degree in family and child sciences from Florida State University, a master's in higher education student affairs from the University of South Carolina, and her specialist degree in teacher leadership from Mercer University. Outside of school, Juliana enjoys spending time with her husband and their dog, Charlie, trying new restaurants and getting involved in the community. She is someone you surely can relate to, and I love to follow her on social media, so be sure to do the same. Okay, let's dive in. Hey, Juliana, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you too. I think your story is unique and really going to resonate with a lot of folks. So because of that, I just want to dive in and share all your knowledge and wisdom with everybody. Are you cool to do that? Great. Yeah, let's go. So let's set the stage a little bit. How did our two paths cross? We connected through Instagram, which I think is such a powerful tool for educators right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I love getting to see what everybody's doing in their classrooms and sharing all of their ideas. And I think it's just a really great way to connect with other people who are doing the same thing you're doing. And I think especially with instructional coaching, it can feel really lonely and isolating. And I've loved the Instagram community that we've kind of built because I feel like, you know, it's other people who are doing what I'm doing and we can bounce ideas off each other and, you know, learn from each other. And I think that's really exciting to have that community. Totally. And the fact it's all virtual and none of us have met is great. It, I mean, yeah. you don't have to know somebody to reach out and ask a question or say, hi, do you want to chat on the podcast or, um, you know, like share favorite funny memes or something. So I encourage anyone listening, if you find someone that could potentially be someone you collaborate with 
or a mentor, you know, don't feel weird that you don't know each other. There's so many of us out here that have never met in person, but chat often on social. And I agree. Instagram's become one of my favorite platforms to do that. Yeah, for sure. So get us caught up on your journey because I know you went off roading a bit to do something else for a while and come back. So start at the beginning. What did you start teaching? And then where are you now? So I started teaching back in 2011 in Atlanta. I was a Teach for America Corps member. I was part of the Metro Atlanta Corps. And so I taught in DeKalb County for two years in elementary school. And then I moved over and worked um, for the KIPP Charter School Network here in Atlanta for two years. I in elementary school. Then I moved to another charter school in Atlanta for a couple of years. I'll again, keep teaching kindergarten through third grade. Third grade was the highest I ever did. Um, and then I honestly got kind of burnt out and I needed a break and I wasn't feeling as inspired as I was when I started. So for two years, I worked for an education technology company, um, which was a remote job. And I got to kind of try something different and use a different part of my brain for a little while, but still stay connected to education. Um, and through that, I really, you know, I really liked it and it was different, but I just kept feeling really, it was the first year I was fine. And the second year when all the back to school posts started again, I was like, Oh, I really do miss this. And so I got back into teaching after that um, and ended up in the same district as my husband, which is great. So I've been in this district for, this is my fourth year in this district now. And uh, I'm an instructional coach at one of our elementary schools. So I work with kindergarten through second grade mostly. And I really enjoy getting to be a coach. This is what I was working for for a while. And so it's great to be in this role and get to help teachers be their best and have their best for their students. Oh, I love that so much. What would you say as a coach and especially your different roles in ed tech or leadership in some way, what would be the best lesson you learned as you kind of navigated these different roles in education? I think the biggest thing that I try to help everybody understand is that you have got to set boundaries. And I know when you first start out in teaching, it can feel like you know, you have to be super person and do everything 150% and that everybody is, you know, expecting everything from you and they are, and it does feel like a lot, um, you know, and I think for a lot of new teachers, especially when you know people say, oh, we'll have boundaries, you know, create balance in your life. And you're like, what? <laughs> like that feels impossible, <laughs> you know, but it really is important. And I think that the more that we put those boundaries around our life. And the more that we protect our time, I think the better we can be for our students. And so, you know, like it's okay to say no to things sometimes, and it's okay to speak up for what you need and to be able to, you know, leave the building at a normal time and, you know, things like that. Um, Cause you know, the to-do list is never going to go anywhere. There's always going to be more to learn and more to do in education, but we have to, establish boundaries to protect our time so that we can give our best to our kids and our kids deserve us at our best. And so we have to figure out whatever system works for us to be able to have those limits and to have that personal time. And you're talking a lot about how to make yourself operate at the best level to better help other people. And as you're working with these folks, are you noticing common characteristics of, okay, this person's successful versus this person struggling? Are there characteristics that really make an educator great? 
I think that every teacher is different. And that's something that I'm definitely learning in this role as a coach as well. Like everybody has, you know, their own strengths and, you know, what works for one teacher isn't going to work for another necessarily. But I think that overall, it all comes down to mindset. It's all based in the belief of, do you believe or not that every child in your classroom has the potential to be successful period? And you either do or don't. And if you do, then you're in the right job and we're going to, you know, we can work together to make that happen. But I think that, um, you know, on those days when it's really hard, which are a lot of days in education, let's be honest, especially in the last, you know, three school years that we've all been going through, you know, this is, this is a really hard job, but you have to maintain that mindset of possibility and optimism and knowing that, even though it doesn't feel like it every day, the work that you're putting in and the seeds that you're planting are going to grow and blossom and it's going to be worth it. You just have to keep your head on straight and, you know, keep, keep working and keep pushing and find your people who are going to be that cheerleader for you, because we all need somebody in our corner, helping us remember why we got into this work and why we do what we do. I think that's solid advice. And it's encouraging to know Everyone has something to contribute and it's our job to help pull it out and cultivate it and help folks grow. And just like we should believe all students can be successful. We need to believe that about teachers. And if we believe that we have to adjust how we coach, how we lead, how we support to bring that out. And I want to push you a little bit more for some advice specifically for a couple of groups of teachers. Listen, we've got some that are new, some transitioning roles, kind of like you did, and then teacher leaders, uh, what you're doing now. So if you could pick one of those groups to speak to directly and share some additional advice, who would you pick and what would you tell them? I really want to talk specifically to our teacher leaders here for a second. And what I want to say to them is that a lot gets put on your plate. When you're the strong one on your team or in your school, you know, a lot of things get put on you because your admin team thinks that you can handle it and you can, you were in, you're in this leadership role because of the results and the effort that you've put in and what you've been able to help kids accomplish. And that is incredible. It is also okay for you to set limits and boundaries and be able to say what you can and can't handle. And it is okay for you to say, Hey, too much. <laughs> I need a minute <laughs> to get myself together or, you know, to ask for what you need and to advocate for yourself. I think that a lot of times as teacher leaders, we feel like we have to just keep accepting and saying yes, and kind of taking one for the team. And, and that that's noble and and important and necessary. It is also okay though, to say, Hey, this is what I need to be able to do this better. Or this is what I need to be able to serve my kids better. And I think that, you know, there's a distinct difference between complaining and offering solutions. And I think that sometimes administrators and leaders forget what it's like to be in the classroom, even if they just came out of it. And I think that it's okay to say what you need and to advocate for yourself um, in a way that, you know, again, presents those solutions or presents opportunities to try new things. Um, I think the more that we're willing to listen and collaborate from each other, the more that our students will be successful. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So speaking of like advocating for yourself, we want teachers to do that, but we as leaders have to do it too. So how do you advocate for your own learning? Where are you going to continue to grow yourself? Um, How are you seeking out 
these opportunities? What does that look like for you so that you're always in the know of things that are changing, whether it's curriculum or standards or what have you? Sure. So, I mean, one of my favorite things about working in education is that there's always more, there's Mm -hmm. always more to learn. There's always something else to try. There's always this person who's doing this cool thing that I want to try too, or, you know, um, and honestly, again, social media again has, is another place where I've gotten a lot of good ideas or I've seen teachers try things. I'm like, I wonder how that actually looks with kids. Let me try it. You know, um, just little things like that. But I think beyond that, I have really, especially with being newer to coaching, I've really dove into Elena Aguilar's work. And then, you know, I'm signed up for her newsletter to stay current. I'm listening to her podcast. You know, I'm reading, I'm reading the PD book right now. And it's been so informative and how it is. I like that book. Oh my gosh. It's so good. What if PD was a party? I mean, it should be, you know, Uh and that's something that, um, the other coach, my partner in my, in my building comes. So thankful for, she is also new to coaching this year. So we're in it together. And so she and I have been learning a lot from each other. And I love having a partner that I can really, really truly collaborate with and who trusts me and I trust her and, you know, we've really got each other's back. So we're definitely learning a lot from each other. I think that also just staying up on the news and just being current on what's happening out there and, you know, understanding, I think, especially Um, as a leader, understanding what policy changes might be happening in your state or in your district are really important so that you can help teachers navigate those things. But I agree. I think it's absolutely part of our role as leaders to know what's going on so that we can lead the people in our building toward the best outcomes. Mm -hmm. And as I'm so glad you have a partner in crime, I think that's a great stem. Do you guys have a mentor that you go to, to, you know, give you feedback or is there someone assigned to you since you're a new coach? How does that work? Yeah. So our district has definitely offered a lot of development for us, but it seems like, I think that's kind of a new uh, initiative in our district this year, or what I'm hearing from other coaches is that that that's a new initiative. So I think it's great that coaches are getting development too. I mean, we're obviously learning and growing just like everybody else, you know, we're not experts by any means, you know, we don't know all the things. Um, So I think having, you know, the more, I think there's always, again, always an opportunity to learn and do better. So I love that our district is offering that to us, but I think, so my biggest mentor, is honestly probably one of my best friends. Um, he and I taught for the KIPP Charter Network together nine mm-hmm. years ago. And uh, we didn't teach at the same school at that time, but we taught in the same network. And I remember going to observe his class of first graders. And I was like, how, and I was teaching kindergarten at the time. And I was like, how are my kids going to be at this level in a year? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I just was blown away by his teaching. And I was like, I've got to be friends with this guy. And so, um, so we grew a friendship and we ended up working at the same school together for a couple of years. And, you know, we've both moved to different places, but we just keep coming back to each other. And, um, now he works for an organization that is connected to the work that I'm doing. So, you know, we've maintained kind of a professional relationship as well. And what I really appreciate about him is that he is able to give it to me straight when I need to be pulled out of nonsense. Like when I'm getting in my head about something or when I'm getting too emotional about a decision or something like that, he is so good about being, being like, okay, what do you need to do? Here's what you need to happen. Go do it. And I really appreciate that about him, but he also helps me kind of come to my own decisions. And it's just a really good thought partner. Um, and I'm really grateful for that because I think in, in any role, I think that it's important to have a sounding board, you know, somebody that you can go to who you can, speak freely and feel like you can really be yourself and somebody who's really going to help you grow in an authentic way. 
You're definitely not afraid of strangers and like going up and saying, I need to be your friend and I need to learn (laughs) from you and tell me all the things. I really admire that about you because not many folks are to put their insecurities aside and to say, Hey, (laughs) I like what you're doing and I want to learn how to do it too. And I think we need more teachers to be willing to say that and more teachers to say, yes, let me show you how I learned it, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, what this might look like for you. Don't be a copycat, find your own personality, your own twist. Um, But there are reasons behind why things work. And when teachers can have that quality of a discussion and not just like, okay, he did this, so I'm going to do it, but is it working? And what does it look like for you is important. And a coach can facilitate that. So when folks are like, let's do a learning walk and learn from each other, I'm like, great. And then where's the discussion happening? Because that's where the magic is. A hundred percent. Yeah, I totally. And I think that's, you know, as teachers, I mean, we're all type A, right? Or most of us, and, (laughs) you know, we all want to be achievers. We want to be go-getters. We want, you know. I mean, we want to be the best. And I think that it's really important in our buildings and in our communities as educators that we establish a culture of vulnerability. Like it's okay not to know everything. Nobody does, but thank goodness we have each other to learn from and collaborate with. And I think that the more that we build that culture of vulnerability in our building, the more that our teachers and our staff, I mean, everybody is going to feel comfortable growing and asking questions and learning from each other. And again, the more that we do that, the more our kids are going to see success. And that's what matters the most at the end of the day. I agree. And I also think being able to, to focus long-term, like what is my goal? How am I here to help and serve? Hey y'all popping in here real quick to remind you, if you are loving the podcast, hop on over to iTunes to leave a star rating and type in a few words for the review. This helps other educators find the show so they too can be empowered. Lots of love and thanks. Now back to the show. I did want to ask you, I I tend to want to know if there's current projects folks are working on in their building because it helps me see long-term the goals for coaching. But I know that you are somewhat new and probably trying to just figure out the lay of the land. But is there a goal that you guys are kind of working towards this year? Maybe it's implementing coaching cycles or something like that in your school building. Sure. So our district as a whole is involved in an initiative we're calling Literacy and Justice for All. So it is a partnership centered around the science of reading. And we are connected with United Way of Greater Atlanta, um, the Rollins Center for Language and Literacy, the Atlanta Speech School, Cox Campus, all these different organizations um, in and around Atlanta that are helping our district really learn more about the science of reading and how to most effectively teach kids how how to read. And so through that, we have these coaching cycles that are sort of built into the program. And so it's really exciting to see, we have these district facilitators who, um, again, I mean, luckily is another, I would consider a mentor to me. He's fantastic. And he is really good about helping me be able to help our teachers, but, you know, we're going in and doing observations. We're doing lab sites. We're doing coaching cycles with teachers, uh, really focused in on the science of reading. And last year, was all about decoding and phonics and word recognition and that whole side of the, of the reading rope, if you will. Um, and then this year we're focusing more on comprehension and language structure and writing and all of those pieces to kind of weave that rope together so that we can help our kids be stronger readers. And so I'm really excited to see 
how our teachers are taking that knowledge and then applying it in their classroom the next day. I mean, our teachers are like sponges and the way that they've really taken this learning to heart um, is really exciting. And I, I, I'm so glad that I get to be on this side of it this year. And mm-hmm. I get to help teachers see how great they're doing with this, because I think for a lot of our teachers, myself included, we came up in balanced literacy. And so to see this, what feels like a 180 degree shift <laughs> yeah, yeah. from what mm-hmm. we were doing and expected to do it tomorrow, you know, is a big change, but we're doing it. And I'm really excited about how, how that's going. And I cannot wait to see, you know, I think one thing that, um, that one of my mentors posted on Twitter the other day was about how this is a long process, um, you know, getting accustomed to relearning how to teach kids how to read is a lot, but I'm excited to see kind of the long-term payoff of this once we see how this all kind of plays out over the next couple of years. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad to hear what your game plan is for your role in your school. Let's talk about you for a second. Where do you want to go? What do you see yourself doing in the future? What is on your bucket list? What, what do you want to transform into next? Gosh, I mean, I really, I know this is going to sound so corny, but like, this is the role I was working for. You know what I mean? Like what I'm doing now is what I want to be doing. Cause I really like that. I'm in the middle. I like that. I can, you know, coach teachers and, you know, work kind of at the classroom level, but then I also get to help be an influential voice, you know, on our leadership team, you know, at the school and the district level. So I can help kind of, again, not that I know all the things, but I can help, you know, st- you know, steer in a direction that helps benefit kids and that we can all again, learn from each other and collaborate and push each other. And so I don't know. I mean, I really am happy as a coach. I don't anticipate that I would want to do anything different in the foreseeable future. I used to want to be a principal. Um, I don't anymore, to be honest. <laughs> um, I, and not, not because of, I mean, I think, gosh, our principals are, so, I mean, the work that they do are, is so admirable and I, I really res- I respect them. I really like staying in the curriculum side of things though. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I'm, I'm getting my um, education leadership certification, I'm done in December. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, honestly, the more I'm taking that program, the more I'm like, yeah, I want to stay on the curriculum side. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't really, the operation stuff is just not really my jam. Um, yep. <laughs> so I'm excited to kind of stay on that end. I agree. And I think sometimes we get frustrated when we go down a path and it doesn't pan out and we feel like it's wasted time, but it's not, it's an answer. It's a directive. I've shared the story before on the podcast, but my principal let me shadow her for a day. And within five minutes, I knew it wasn't for me. I mean, there was an angry parent at the door. There was food fight in the cafeteria. Someone pulled the fire alarm and she had this awesome list of everything she was going to show me about her job. And I said, does this happen a lot? And she said, yeah, like, you know, when it just wasn't as close to the kids and the teachers as I wanted to be. And so as frustrated as I was, I was like, well, I guess, you know, getting my admin degree is not what I'm going to do anymore. I feel very lost and what's out there for me, but it was an answer. And it pushed me to exactly how you feel. Coaching is in the middle. It brings you close together. Like you mentioned curriculum stuff. So if anyone else out there is thinking one thing and then you have an experience and you're like, Oh no, I've thought this my whole life or what do I do now? Like, don't worry. I mean, it's an answer and things will come together a stepping stone at a time. So see, we both have a journey that's worked out what's best for us. And I know someone listening, it's going to happen for them too. 
Yes. A hundred percent. And I feel like that, you know, um, when I honestly, when I left that ed tech job, I was really nervous about going back in because I was like, is anybody going to hire me now? Like I left teaching, like, I mean, honestly leaving educate the getting that job, I was stressed out, you know, and thinking, how is this going to work? Like, I'm just a teacher. What are they going to think about me? And like, I had this, this interview with like the executive vice president of this company. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm in my classroom. I have, I have conferences tomorrow, you know? <laughs> it wasn't, you know, a big deal or it, like, it, I felt like I wasn't a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I felt the same way leaving that job and going back to education. And I felt the same way, you know, as a coach and really nervous applying for that job. And I was like, I'm just a teacher. Like, you know, I didn't feel like I was that big of a deal and whatever, but, and even getting this coaching job, I was nervous and leaving education and coming back in, I was nervous. And I think it's natural to feel a little bit um, anxious sometimes, or maybe to doubt yourself, but you know, I really struggled when I started this job and I think I still am struggling a little bit with imposter syndrome. Like, am I really meant to be here? Like, did I real? am I, you know, does anybody know, like, do they know that I'm doing this? Like, are, are we sure? You know? Um, but like, yes, I am meant to be here and I did work hard for this and there's a lot to learn and you know, there's definitely room to grow, of course. And I'm so excited for that, but I am supposed to be here. And like, this was part of my journey. And I think I would, you know, to any of, the listeners out there, I would just say that same thing. Like it's natural to feel a little bit nervous to take that next step. And, you know, whatever your journey is, whatever direction you're going, or, you know, even if it's just tomorrow in your classroom, you're supposed to be there. And that's part of your unique story. And it doesn't matter what other people think, or, you know, don't compare yourself to the teacher down the hall or whatever, do your thing and do the right thing for yourself and for your kids. And if that's what you're doing, then you're going to have have the right outcome. So just do your thing and be proud and lean on your community and we'll all be okay. I agree. I recently was reading a book and having a discussion with some folks about this idea of feeling nervous and imposter syndrome. And I don't know the answer, especially when you're new to a role. And the reason you're hired is because you have the capability to do well, not you can do it already. And I think when we wrap our heads around, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to know everything, but I was hired because they know I can get there. And the only way I can get there is by saying, I don't know, let me ask, or let me figure that out, or I'll get back to you. And it's not a sign of weakness. Um, So I hope we all can be okay with saying, I'm not where I want to be, but it doesn't mean I'm ineffective. I'm just on the growth train and the people hiring me expect that of me and are, are right alongside me. So Um, Listen to both our stories and that advice and be encouraged by that. Yes, for sure. So I want to be respectful of your time and ask you just one more question. And I, I really think it's essential because you took a break to find another way to use your skills and knowledge that your advice is really going to resonate here. But how do you reignite that passion and that potential as an educator? I think that it kind of depends on your situation. I think for me, it meant leaving. And that was a really, really scary move at the time. I was like, this is all I've done since I graduated, you know, with my master's degree. I don't know that anything else is out there. What else is out there? I applied for so many things. Like I didn't know where I wanted to go. I just knew that I needed a minute and that I needed to take a break from teaching. And I took a risk and it worked out, you know, and, it, and everything, you know, fell into place like it's supposed to. And I think that that is a big part of what helped me sort of reignite. But I think the most important thing, and this is what I would tell to anybody is again, find your community, like find your people that help you 
to reignite your passion, whether it's somebody at home, somebody from your family, you know, the teacher across the hall, your coach, whoever it is, find that person or that community that you can be your best authentic self with and take those risks and be vulnerable and try those things. So um, one example is during the pandemic, like right in March of 2020, I want to say. So I got to visit Ron Clark Academy back in December of 2019. So jealous. Oh my gosh, you got to go. It was so good. (laughs) It's just right down the street. And I'm like, all the time I want to be like, can I just go? Um, but, um, but so part of, as part of that, um, a couple months later, they, during the pandemic developed this thing called club RCA. And so it was these weekly zoom meetings with their staff where they would share all these ideas and things they were doing. And, oh my gosh, just so generously pour into us, um, as educators and the community that I've gotten and the lessons that I've learned from those people and from other teachers in that community is just so invaluable. And I think that that again, speaks to the way to reignite yourself as a teacher is to find your people. Mm -hmm. And like, maybe they're not in your building. Maybe they're not, you know, maybe, maybe the place you're in, isn't the best place for you. And I, I think that's a scary a scary thought to have as well as to think about leaving or moving or doing something different, but, um, you have to do what makes the most sense for you. Because again, if you're not healthy and if you don't feel like you're in the right mindset and the right place, you're not going to serve your students to the best that you can. And they deserve us at our absolute best every day. And Mm -hmm. so whatever you have to do to make that happen is okay. Because again, you're making that decision with your students at the center and that's where our mind should be. So good. (laughs) I knew you wouldn't disappoint on behalf of elite educators everywhere. Just thank you so much for your time and your stories and your wisdom. Can you tell us how to connect with you? Yes. So I am on Instagram at more locked on learning. My Mm -hmm. name is more lock. So more lock ED on learning. And yes, I love making new friends over there. So please come share. Um, I would love to learn from you and collaborate together. And yeah, I'm so excited that we did this. This is fun. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, I just want to also reiterate how important our involvement is as an educator. Please Don't stay in your same grade level or your same school building or your same type of role as you're hearing from Juliana's story. And y'all know mine. um, The reason we grow and get better is because we move and shake it and we got to get out of our comfort zone and take risks. And you don't have to do a major risk like switching to an ed tech company, but there are transferable skills and it could potentially be the best thing you do. So feel free to reach out to either one of us for some encouragement or ask questions. If you're thinking about trying something new, it's going to work out. I've got a good feeling about it, but Juliana, thank you so much. And I can't wait to chat again soon. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to talking more and I really appreciate you having me tonight. Of course. All right. We'll catch up soon. Bye. Bye. All right, y'all. Was that not an empowering message? And don't you just want to go hang out with Juliana? I swear she's the sweetest soul. And I really enjoy getting to know her and following what she's doing in education. And I like that she has shaken things up for herself and not felt like she needed to stay in one place. And that helps her grow and transferable skills are great to be able to bring that to your next role. So don't be afraid to try something new if you're feeling stuck and you're not getting the type of growth you want or you're losing the interest, but you still want to stay in education in some way or form. Go ahead and try a job that utilizes the educational field in a new way, just like she did. And then you're filled up and ready to dive back in. So 
taking a break is a-okay. Anyways, go to the show notes, go to alwayslesson.com, click on podcast, you'll find this episode and all the links to everything mentioned and some great quotables are all there for you. And of course, social media handles to connect with Juliana. All right, elite educators, that is a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Juliana Morlock. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. (laughs) 